Good morning, guys. Good morning, good morning. We get to start a brand new series today. I'm excited on the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. And this is an incredible series because these teachings of Jesus are some of the most well-known teachings. Uh, they are some of the most um, ones that you memorize and things that you hear. Uh, but what, what I really like about it is though it is some of the most well-known teachings, it's some of the least obeyed teachings of Jesus. Matter of fact, it's some of the most uh, misunderstood teachings of Jesus. And when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to take several weeks, several, several weeks um, I'm not going to tell you how many because, uh, you know, I don't want to get there and then have to keep going. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. OK, and so, no, we're going to take all the way up till Easter to talk about the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, 6 and 7. And I would encourage you to be reading along with us during the week, studying along with us. Even the overachievers read ahead and uh, get to know, you know, preach my sermon to me. OK, go ahead and read ahead as we go through this. But the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most powerful and is the most significant sermon, I would say, in the whole Bible, because it is a sermon by Jesus, all right? And I love, in true Jesus fashion, this sermon, though it is, you know, a few chapters, it's only 100 verses, it's a 2,000 words or so, and you could probably read it in about 12 minutes. That's a good sermon, right? Am I, you ready? To 12, I need to learn from Jesus, okay? And just do 12-minute sermons. All the people that's ready for snow said amen, right? You're like, yes. Yeah, shorter's better, right? Yeah. All right, well, you got, I got you, okay? I got the mic, and you're seated. I got you for more than 12 minutes, all right? We're going to, no, we're going to get it. We're going we're gonna to dive in today. But I, I want us to, hold, to lay hold of these teachings as we go through this series with not, not a heart of, I've already heard this before, or not a heart of, you know, I don't understand it. I want us to open our hearts to, to receive it. And even in a tangible way, I want us to remove maybe our Western mindset, our Western views as we look at what Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven and he talks about the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about all these things. Uh, some of you can even quote some of this that maybe you don't even fully understand it, but you know it like, you know, there's things about uh, an eye for an eye. There's things about, uh, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's things about lust and anger and anxiety and, and the treasures in heaven. There's all this stuff in this, and, and I believe that if we would lay hold of it and grasp it and live it out, that it'll totally transform our life, just like every word in this Bible. And so we're gonna look at Jesus's account of the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. The other gospel writers, they make mention of these teachings, but, but Matthew records them so beautifully. Like it is so well organized. If, if you wanna nerd out a little bit on it, like it has three main parts of this sermon. Uh, like every good preacher, right? You got three points. Like Jesus has three main parts of this sermon. But this, what's really cool is if you take that center section, that center section has three main parts. Then if you want to even dive deeper, each of those three have three main parts. It's just organized so beautifully. And Matthew does a great job of it. And so we're going to, uh, to look at his account of the Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, to help us uh, get the context of why we are studying the Sermon on the Mount, I want us to, to answer the question, why did Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount? What was it for? Why was it necessary? Why did Jesus decide to, to go up on a mountain and sit and teach 
these principles? What, what led to that? And for us to kind of get an introductory to this series and to learn the why behind the sermon, to, to understand the context of it, we're gonna back up a chapter today before we dive into Matthew 5. And uh, we're gonna go to Matthew 4 because in Matthew 4, we get to see where Jesus begins his earthly ministry. He's, he's been baptized full of the Holy Spirit, led of the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. He comes out and then he begins to live out his earthly ministry. He starts his ministry. And Matthew actually records the very first words out of his mouth as he starts to uh, preach and proclaim the gospel. And it's found in Matthew chapter four, uh, Matthew chapter four, verse 17. In Matthew chapter four, verse 17, it says that from that time, Jesus began to preach. So here's his ministry. And here's what he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the first words of his sermon, the first words of his ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we see that the kingdom of heaven is the central theme of Jesus's ministry. And so today we're gonna talk about the kingdom of heaven. We're gonna talk about the kingdom of heaven. And so the central th uh, theme throughout the, not only Jesus's teachings, but the Bible starting in Genesis all the way to about the last two chapters of Revelation all talk about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, as he's uh, preaching this, the kingdom of heaven, what he is doing is he is being used by God. He's partnering with God on this rescue mission. See, God has had his plans, his eternity to walk with his creation, to do life with his creation. That's why we read in Genesis in the garden before sin had entered the garden that, that man walked with God. And ever since man chose to, to give in to sin and to rebel against God, we, we've learned that, that sin separates us. And, and so ever since we've been separated, God has put in motion this rescue plan, if you will, to redeem us back to him. And he's doing this by, by taking on flesh, coming as a man, God, Jesus, being fully man and fully God to this earth to live, to die, to resurrect so that we can be redeemed to him. And, in, and when we are in the presence of the Lord, when we are under his rule and his reign and his way, that is what we're gonna learn today, the kingdom of heaven. And we're gonna get to learn about what that, that means because Jesus is creating a new kingdom as we see. It's a, a new family of believers. It's not just Jews, it's also Gentiles. It's everybody is involved and can, has an opportunity to be involved in this fellowship, in this kingdom. We can all be citizens of this kingdom. And so let's, let's take a look at kingdom of heaven and get an understanding of what Jesus is talking about. Uh, if we were gonna understand it from a first century Jewish context, uh, the kingdom of heaven is something tangible. It is a real world on earth. It includes real citizens. It includes a real king. It in includes a real way of living, a real way of being governed by that king. And now for us in our Western mindsets, that's a little strange because we don't operate by kingdoms. Our government's not a kingdom, it's a democracy. And so we're like kingdoms. I don't really understand that. But the reality is, is that almost a fourth of the countries on the planet still operate by kingdoms. The, the greatest one, maybe the most well-known one, if you will, that's still in operation today would be the United Kingdom, right? They still in some forms operate as a kingdom. And so the Jews though, they understood kingdom. They knew what it was. They had a Pharaoh. They knew kingdoms. And so when Jesus came and said that the kingdom of God has come, 
The Jews thought that, man, it's our time, that, that Jesus is gonna restore our kingdom and we're gonna have political power and we're gonna have wealth and we're gonna have all this favor and we're gonna have everything restored back to us. But as we read the gospel accounts, we see that Jesus's kingdom was upside down. It was different than any worldly kingdom that we'd ever seen. He came as a king of this kingdom in a way that no other king had come. That Jesus didn't come to sit in power, but he knelt in service to others. That Jesus didn't go to those who were the most wealthy and the most well-liked and had the most influence and, and, and had the most favor among men. No, he went to the lowly, the least of these, the, the farmers on the side of a hill, those which, who were poor. And so we get to see something, learn something about this kingdom that Jesus is gonna tell us about. And so Jesus, he starts to preach, repent. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It is near. It is right here. And then if we were to read a little bit more in Matthew, we get to see how Jesus ushers in this kingdom, how he gives them a taste of the kingdom. And again, we're just setting the scene today. This is the sermon before the sermon. This is the, what's happening before Jesus gets ready to teach these life-changing principles. And I love what uh, it says in Matthew 23. Matthew 23, it tells us how he starts to operate in and proclaim his kingdom. It says that, and he, that's Jesus, he went all throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, that's preaching, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's the good news of the kingdom. And what was he doing? He was healing every disease, every affliction. Somebody say every, that's Jumping off the, he, he will heal every disease, every affliction among the people. Verse 24, it says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria. And then they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, those who were oppressed by demons, those who were having seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25 tells us, and then the, the crowds followed him from Galilee to Decapolis, from Jerusalem to Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So Jesus goes around announcing, preaching that the kingdom is here and he demonstrates it. What does he do? He heals every sickness. He, he takes back anybody that's held captive by Satan. He's overcoming the powers of Satan. You see, when the kingdom of God comes, Satan's gotta go. That, that when the kingdom of this earth and the kingdom of Satan is operating and the kingdom of God shows up, then Jesus takes over. He reigns and he rules and he delivers people from those strongholds and from those, the grips of Satan. And so we see that Jesus is going around telling them that you can experience the kingdom right now. Right now, you can experience the kingdom of heaven. And so what that tells us is that there's a very important principle about the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven is yes, a now kingdom, but it's also a not yet kingdom that the kingdom of heaven is a right now kingdom, but it's also a not yet kingdom. So there is a present reality, but there's still a future fulfillment of the kingdom. And so you have Jesus right now establishing the kingdom of heaven. Like you can experience it right now, but then over here, you've got his future fulfillment that the Bible talks about when he's gonna come and take over the whole earth and reign and rule with his saints. And so you've got, over there is right now, over here is not yet, and we're just somewhere in the middle. That we can have a taste of heaven right now, 
but we know that he's coming back and he's gonna reign and he's gonna rule and he's gonna sit on his throne forever and no king can touch him, amen? And so we're in this moment, this in-between moment where Jesus is showing them that you can have the kingdom of heaven right now. That's why right at the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, almost to the verse, right at the middle of these three chapters is the Lord's, is the Lord's prayer. And right at the middle of that prayer, Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what is he saying? He's saying right now, I can have the kingdom of heaven come in your life right now that we as believers should be praying every single day. As much as we pray for our daily bread, our daily provision, we should be praying that the kingdom of God would come in our marriage, in our finances, in our family, in our church, that God's kingdom would come right now. And it would be a kingdom where he reigns and where he rules, where he heals every sickness, heals every disease, where he delivers people from the grips of Satan. That's what Jesus is preaching. He's preaching that you can have the kingdom of God right now. And so as Jesus is with them, he's ushering in that kingdom. But we all know the story. Jesus left, he ascended back to heaven. And so some would say, well, well, the kingdom of God is not until the future. Jesus ascended. But no, no, no. Jesus is, although he ascended and sits at the right hand of God, he didn't leave us as orphans. The Bible said that it's better that he goes away so that he can send a helper, an advocate. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of God. And so the spirit, because the spirit of God lives in us and dwells among us, we can still experience the kingdom of heaven. You see, I don't think that we understand what access and what authority that we have as the spirit of God dwells in those who believe. That the Bible is clear. We, we love to preach it, that the same spirit that lives in me is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Do you understand what you're saying? That that same spirit can usher in the presence of God. It can usher in the kingdom of heaven and it lives in us. And so what are we doing with it? As we live our life, are we calling down the kingdom of heaven in our family, in our work, in our church, in our everyday life? Are we still operating in this kingdom, the kingdom of the world? You see, Jesus made it clear that, that we live in the world, but we're not of the world. What does that mean? We're of a different kingdom. For us to be in the world and not of the world, that means we're citizens of somewhere else that we're citizens of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven is, is our home, but also the kingdom of heaven is how we operate. It is the way in which we live, that we are citizens of that kingdom, of his reign, of his rule. And so he governs us. And that's what Jesus is telling them. And so when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is talking about the, the reign of God, not the realm of God. Okay, so, so when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven is here right now, it's the reign, the power, the authority, the governing power of God, not the realm of where he sits, of where he is in heaven on his throne. We're gonna get there. We're gonna be there one day when the rapture happens and he takes his church. We're gonna be joined with him, caught up in the air with him. But right now we're talking about the reign of God that we get to experience the reign of God, the power of God in our lives right now, one that heals us. I love how he says every sickness, every affliction, every disease, God can heal our bodies of everything that this earth throws at us. And he can deliver us 
from every demonic stronghold, every addiction, everything that holds us bound and captive, he can deliver us. Do you believe it? That's, that's what Jesus is preaching to him. And so we see that because of the Holy Spirit, because of God's power, we can have his kingdom come, his will be done here and now. And so I think it's another important principle for us to understand about the kingdom. When we talk about the kingdom of heaven is that it is a kingdom of power. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of power. The first way that Jesus chose to demonstrate this kingdom was through healing and deliverance. That's power that he is saying because of God's reign and rule and his authority and power, when it comes on people, they can be healed and set free and delivered and saved. And so it's this kingdom of power. Paul would even echo that in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, look at what Paul says. He says, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk. It's not just about good words and what we say, but it's about power that the kingdom of God consists in power, that we can experience the kingdom of God through the power of God. That when the power of God comes on us, we're in a different kingdom. It's a different reality. We're citizens of somewhere else, that we operate in such a way that the world looks at us and says, I don't understand it. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know how you made it through those things. I don't know how God's hand of blessing and favor is on your life. I don't understand it. It's because I'm not a citizen of this place. I'm a citizen of heaven. And so I operate in different principles and different ways. His ways are not our ways. His ways are different. And I want to operate in those kind of ways. And so we see that the Holy Spirit reveals the presence and the power of God's kingdom. That because we have the Holy Spirit, we can experience the power of the kingdom of God. That we can experience all that he has for us through the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus is, as he continues on, and we won't cover this uh, teaching because it's outside the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus continues to, to preach the gospel and he continues to deliver those who are demon possessed. And it, one, in one instance, he's delivering this person and, and the Pharisees go, oh, you're, you're delivering that person out of the power of Satan. You're operating out of the power of Satan. And Jesus looks at him and he says, if it was the power of Satan that I deliver somebody who's bound by Satan, then their kingdom would be divided. He said, I don't operate by the power of Satan. He said, it's the power of God that does it. And look what he says in Matthew 12 about this. He says, in Matthew 12, verse 28, he says, but if it's by the, the spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit. If it's by the spirit of God that I cast out this demon, then look at this. The kingdom of God has come upon you. That when the power and the deliverance of God, the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are living in the kingdom of God. That you are operating in a different kingdom. Now, I love to study these kind of things out. And when I read that verse, the first thing that jumped out to me was come upon you. I said, that sparks it. I know that, I'm Pentecostal. I know that come upon you, I know what that is. And so Acts 1.8, Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you. It's the same exact Greek phrase right there. What Jesus is telling us is that because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, of us being immersed in the Holy Spirit and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is among you. It is upon you. It is on you. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, the kingdom of God is in your midst because I'm here right now. Jesus said, I'm in your midst. And so the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. And so we have the Holy Spirit. That means the kingdom of heaven is here that we can operate in that kingdom. And so Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the reality is, is because his kingdom has come and we can experience it right now, every one of us are faced with a decision. Just like the people that we're reading about in the scriptures, they were faced with a decision. The, just why Jesus started out his earthly ministry, not just saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven's here. He didn't start out that way. What did he say? He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. You see, every one of us, everyone that walks this earth has a decision to make. I will, because the kingdom of heaven is here, I will either repent or I will rebel. I will repent or I will rebel against God. Repent simply means just change your mind. Just change your direction. Just turn around and go back the other way. And so when he's telling these people, repent, he's saying, you're heading down a path of destruction. You're heading down a path that is contrary to what God has for you. It is in rebellion to what God has for your life. If we were to keep, if we were reading Mark's account of this, Mark says uh, that Jesus goes, woe to the Pharisees. He said, these people that are, that are leading this life in rebellion away from God, they're not cursed. He's not cursing them. He's saying, woe to you. Woe, because you're heading off a cliff and you need to know that though that way that you're heading is wide, it leads to destruction. And he's like, woe to you. He says, repent, come back to the father. Come back to him. I'm making a way for you to be restored to him. Repent. And so every one of us are faced with that decision. Will I repent, come back to God, or will I rebel, continue to go my way away from him. And so we see that through, through what Jesus is preaching. And so as we make the reasonable response, repentance is that reasonable response, right? To, that's the appropriate response to this. As we repent and come back, we surrender to Jesus. And so we're gonna learn over this next few months how to surrender to Jesus, what it means for him to be our king. Because if we're gonna live in his kingdom, under his rule, his reign, be governed by him in his life, then he's, that means he's our king. And we have to surrender to the king. And so we're gonna learn that through the Sermon on the Mount. But today I do wanna read the first little bit of the Sermon on the Mount. You see, that was just my introductory. Now we're gonna get into it today with seven minutes left. So Matthew chapter five, Jesus is gonna teach us these principles, if you will, of living as people of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. We're just gonna focus on verse three today, but we're gonna read Matthew 5, one through 11. Notice how Jesus starts. Remember, he was intentional with his words when he first began to preach. And so he said, repent. That was very intentional because they gotta repent. They gotta turn if they wanna live in this kingdom. Now he sits down and he starts to teach them. Notice what he says. It's very intentional. So, Matthew chapter five, 
verse one, since we've went through about 15 minutes of the sermon, you're well rested. You can stand on your feet. So let's uh, stand for the reading of the word today. You didn't think I was going to do it, did you? We're going to stand in honor of God's word, and we're going to read Matthew 5, 1 through 11 before we're seated. If you've got your place or you want to read on the screen, Matthew 5, verse 1, you're ready to read. Say, let's go. And seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he opened up his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we thank you for this word. Speak to our hearts. Show us what you're saying over this series. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, I will allow you to be seated even though Jesus sat on this sermon and y'all, you know, people stood, but we'll do it like this today. No, you know, I, this isn't in your notes, but as I was looking at that, it says that he went up on a mountain. Now that's a tall hill. It's not like Mount Everest, okay? He didn't go up in sub-zero uh, temperatures to teach, but he went up on this tall hill. It's what the Bible is calling a mountain. And you know, and it's very intentional. You don't have to uh, write it down, but you can. Who was somebody else in the, in the Bible that went up on a hill and, and got something from God? It was Moses. Moses went up on the mountain, right? And, and this is Jesus coming on the scene, going up on the mountain. This is very intentional. Jesus is presenting himself to the people saying, I'm the, I'm the new Moses. I'm better than Moses. I am the son of God. And that's why in this sermon, as we'll see in a few weeks, he says, well, you've heard it said, and he quotes the tablets. He quotes the Ten Commandments. He quotes what God had given Moses, and he gives them something new. Moses had a bunch of you should nots, and now Jesus comes with a you should kind of thing. And so just, just for those who love to dig deeper, look into that and how he says he went up on the mountain. That's uh, very symbolic there. It's intentional. Every word of these verses is very intentional. And so today we're going to talk about these blessings. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about these blessings. I think it's very intentional that Jesus started teaching the very first thing out of his mouth are these nine blessings. You see, not only is the kingdom of heaven a kingdom of power, but it's also a kingdom of blessing. It is a kingdom of blessing. And in this sermon, Jesus opens up by offering these blessings or these benefits, if you will, of the kingdom of heaven. And he calls these blessings, we know them as the Beatitudes, right? It's probably mark in your Bible as such. But these blessings have to do with the favor that God dispenses on the people of his kingdom. Now, I want us to notice that, that these blessings are simply the characteristics of those who have been touched by God, by the power of God. When the kingdom of God comes, these are the characteristics that we demonstrate. And so it's not a checklist for us. It's not a, if I do this, then I'll be blessed. 
These are the characteristics of the lifestyle of somebody who's been touched by God. And so when the Bible says love, well, we love because he first loved us. When the Bible says to be merciful, we're merciful because he was first merciful to me. That we're, we're pure because he first cleansed me. That I'm humble because he humbled himself and, and he humbled me. And so this isn't a to-do list. This isn't a, a three ways to live or nine ways to live a blessed life. This isn't what, this, what Jesus is talking about. He's simply saying that blessed are you who's been touched by God and you live out these characteristics, this kingdom of heaven living. And so this is not secrets to blessings. This is not unlocking blessings for your life. These are just character traits of those who have had the power of God touch them and transform their life. They are the ones that are blessed. And now when we say the word blessed, it is difficult to translate that word in Greek in the language that it was written. And so some of your translations will say blessed or favored or uh, flourish, or some of your translations will say happy in that. And, and so actually it's not, when we talk about blessings, it's not um, because you have a lot of things or it's not you're happy because things are going well. Being blessed that is nothing to do with things or emotion, okay? It's, not, it's nothing to do with those earthly things. And so Jesus is gonna make a clear distinction because as we go through these, you'll see how they progress. How can you be happy if somebody's persecuting you? Nobody's gonna be happy in that. You know, how, how are you gonna be blessed if you're poor in spirit? Like how, so it's not about material things. It's not about earthly things. Why? Because this isn't an earthly kingdom that we're talking about. It's a spiritual kingdom. And so we're gonna see that Jesus makes this great distinction as we go through the Sermon on the Mount of what he means by blessings and favor and pouring out things on his children. Now, I don't think that Jesus wants you to just, to just live you know, paycheck to paycheck and, and, and have nothing but some lint and some buttons in your pocket, but he's not talking about money when he's talking about being blessed right here. This has nothing to do with money. It is talking about spiritual blessings. And, and actually that's one of the, the greatest um, detriments to the United States is that we don't go after blessings. We're, we're a nation that's built on the pursuit of happiness, not blessedness. And so we're, we're more about being happy. And that's an emotion. That's a feeling that we have instead of the blessings of God. And so happiness is just temporary. It, it comes and goes. You know, my, I was happy one moment and then I'm not happy another moment. So happiness, it, it's just with the wind. But blessedness is consistent. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so once we're citizens of heaven, we're blessed. We're operating in his kingdom, we're blessed. We're under his rule, we're blessed. And so it, the blessing, if you wanna define it, write it down, is simply this internal joy that the earthly kingdom cannot give you. It is an internal joy that the world cannot give you. That's why we sung today, first two songs, the joy of the Lord is my strength. As some of you sing that song, your situations, your circumstances, what you've gone through recently, doesn't communicate joy. It shouldn't communicate joy. It should communicate sorrow and pain and grievance and, and, and being and hitting rock bottom. But yet you can stand and worship and jump and raise your hands and have joy because it's not dependent upon my circumstances. It comes from the Lord. It's not, it's not me, it's Him. And so I have the joy of the Lord. That is my strength. And so we see here that when we talk about God's kingdom, it's not earthly. His blessings are not for earthly gain. 
His blessings are for spiritual gain. And so the kingdom of God is spiritual. And so we see about the kingdom of God being spiritual and the kingdom of God bringing joy in Romans 14. It's in your notes. You can circle that reference there. Romans 14 verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's because of the Holy Spirit that we have this joy. So when you live by these kingdom principles, you're gonna be blessed. When you live in harmony with the way that God designed you to live, you're gonna live a blessed life. That people are gonna look at you and say, man, that dude is blessed. That's what that means. It's not blessed because you have a lot of things, blessed because you have favor, blessed because you've stored up for yourself some kind of great wealth. It's ble- this blessing they're talking about is that when, when people get around you, when people see you and people know you, they know where you come from, they know what you got, they know what you've been through, and still you're operating with joy and peace and love and all the fruit of the Spirit, they say, that man is blessed. He is blessed. She is blessed. That's what we're talking about, is that the hand of God, the kingdom of God has come. So it's a kingdom of blessing. Number four, if you will, the kingdom of heaven is also a kingdom of promise. I want us to see that as well. It's a kingdom of promise. With every one of these blessed are, it also says they shall. And there's a receiving promise of every one of these blessings. And so we see there that the first one says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth, be satisfied, receive mercy, see God, be called sons of God. The reward is great in heaven. So what God is telling us is that with this blessing comes a promise that as you live in this kingdom, it comes a promise that as you live my ways, there is a promise And he promises these things, not just in the future, but right now, that you can experience the promises of God in your life right now. That you, when you gave your life to him and surrendered to him, it's not just to secure your salvation down the road. It's so that you can live his ways right now. You see, the biggest trap of the enemy, the biggest deception of the enemy is to to convince us to believe that if I just pray a prayer, raise my hand, say some words, say that I'm sorry, receive forgiveness of sin, secure my salvation, then I can just live however I want and God's okay with that. But we see that the kingdom of heaven is not far off. It's here right now. And so we must be living in the here and the now. We must be living the kingdom principles and the kingdom way, not once we die, but right now. We're to live it right now. And so we see that that this kingdom is here and now that he has not only future promises, but he also has current, present promises for his children. As you surrender to King Jesus, you are becoming a citizen of a kingdom that's right now. So the first thing that Jesus teaches on in this Beatitudes, these blessings, is that blessed are those who are poor in spirit. For our next couple of minutes, we're gonna talk about just this one, and then we're gonna talk about the rest next week that blessed are the poor in spirit. I think that Jesus intentionally starts with this one. I would go as far as to say is that without this one, none of the others really matter or even make sense or will work. But that this one right here is what everything hinges on because if you have this spirit, he says, then you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's yours, you can have it. And so what does it mean to be poor in spirit? 
Well, in the Greek, there's two words for the word poor. The first one is kind of common for us. It's that that person's poor. They don't have a lot of things. You know, many of you, if I asked you to raise your hand, you'd say, yeah, I grew up poor, that I grew up without a lot of things. I didn't have a lot of material things. That's our definition of poor. But that's not the Greek word that the writers, that the Holy Spirit chose to use right there. That word means I'm totally deprived, destitute, bankrupt, nothing. I have nothing. And so when Jesus says that blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, it is that person that takes on the posture of without Jesus, I am nothing. I have nothing. I didn't earn anything. I'm not good enough. My status doesn't cut it. My wealth doesn't make it. That I am totally destitute. That I am totally stripped before the Lord. I am worthless and God is worth everything. That is the spirit of whom will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It says that I am nothing. I am so poor that nothing I do matters. That I am totally dependent on him. And, and, and Jesus says, when that's your spirit, not the spirit of I made it, not the spirit of I earned it, not the spirit of I'm gonna do good and get good, not the spirit of I, I, I succeeded in life. No, no, he says, when you have the spirit of I'm nothing. I can't save a wretched soul like mine. I can't earn God's love. I can't make it into the kingdom by myself. I am nothing without him. He says, then you'll be blessed. The man who was poor in spirit knows that he is not worthy and God is worthy of everything. And so we take on this heart posture, not of pride, not of arrogance, nothing to do with self, but of humility, knowing that I am destitute, that I am deprived, that I have nothing without God. And Jesus addresses in Revelation chapter three, those two types of people, those types of people that say, I made it, I got it. I've got success, I've got status, I've got all that I need, I'm good. And then those type of people that are totally dependent upon the Lord. He talks about in Revelation chapter three. In Revelation chapter three, he says this to the church. He says, I know your works. I know all you do, how much money you give to missions, your outreach programs, how you serve, how you love. I know all that. He says, but you're neither hot nor cold. He says, would that you be hot or cold? I'd rather be one, be something. Now this is not talking about Christian or non-Christian. He's saying that I want you to be all in, all in, fully serving me. So that because you're lukewarm, you're just in the middle, you're neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And here's the people that are lukewarm. Here's the people that don't depend on God for everything. They say this, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Notice I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. And Jesus says, you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. The person that's blessed in the kingdom of heaven is not that person with all the wealth, with all the status, with all the friends, with all the power. It is that person that comes before the Lord and says, God, I'm wretched. I'm poor, blind and naked, that I am nothing without you, that my soul longs for you, that apart from you, I can do nothing. And Jesus promises that person, yours, yours is the kingdom of heaven. You get to experience 
my love, my power, my reign, my rule, everything I have to offer, all the promises are yours, but it starts with your heart. That's why Jesus opened his sermon with this right here, because he moved past all the earthly things and came straight for the heart. He got past all the material things, straight for your heart. And so Jesus today, as he is drawing us into his kingdom, wanting us to be kingdoms, citizens of his kingdom, he's not looking at what you have. He's not looking at how much you serve, how much you give. He's looking at your heart. Are you poor in spirit? You come to him realizing I have nothing, that I'm fully surrendered to the King, King Jesus. You know, we've all surrendered to a King, the King of myself or the King of Jesus. And today is the day that we get to surrender to Jesus. You see this kingdom of this world, this kingdom of I, as the song says, it'll pass away. That it's, that it's good for nothing, that it's nothing but sinking sand. And when we sing that on the solid rock is where I stand, you're saying that my feet are on the kingdom of heaven. I'm operating in Jesus's kingdom. He is my king. And so we completely surrender to him. The last thing in your notes, the, king, the kingdom of heaven is all about Jesus. Jesus, he is the king. He preached this kingdom. He embodied this kingdom. He taught this kingdom. He said, it's all about me. And so the kingdom of heaven is not about getting or doing, it's about being. It's not about going somewhere. It's about belonging to someone. And Jesus's greatest desire as he preaches, the kingdom of heaven is here, it's at hand, is that you would belong to him, that you would come to him, that you would surrender to him. And so it's in this moment that we end the service this way, that we fully surrender to our King. Would you bow your heads with me as we make those decisions? Father, our heads are bowed, but more than that, our hearts are bowed before you in surrender. Realizing God that without you, I am nothing. that the culture and the citizenship of this earthly kingdom is influenced and infiltrated my life in ways that I never even realized. That as I live this life, knowing that I'm not of the world, God, I'm in the world and I have adopted worldly principles and worldly ways and, and have gotten caught up in the ways of the world. But Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit that's now moving in our hearts, healing us. God, I realize that I have not fully surrendered all areas of my life to you. That God, I've tried to be king of my own life. I've tried to do things my way. But today's the day, Lord, where I surrender over to my king. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you would say, that's me. I'm surrendering to Jesus. 
I'm giving my life to Jesus. I wanna be a citizen of heaven in the kingdom of God. Can I tell you today, as you make that decision, not only is your salvation secure, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That Jesus will touch you in powerful ways. He'll heal every sickness you have, every hurt you have, every hang up that's keeping you bound and trapped and keeping you from moving forward in life. He'll break free. He'll break every stronghold, every addiction, because that's what happens in the kingdom of heaven. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and it touches you and it heals you. It delivers you and it sets you free. If you're in this house today and you would say, Michael, today's the day that I become a citizen of heaven. Today's the day that I surrender over to King Jesus. If you would, as everybody is praying, their heads are bowed, their eyes are closed. But you say, today's my day. Would you lift up your hands? I wanna include you in a prayer. Today's the day. I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? Today's the day that I surrender to King Jesus. You can put your hands down. All over this house, if we'll stand together as reverently as we can. We're gonna move from now a reflection time to a response time where we get to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. Our prayer team right now is making their way to the side walls on both sides of the sanctuary. And they're there to pray with you. Maybe you have a need in your body. Maybe you do need to experience healing, deliverance, restoration. Maybe you're believing God to do a miracle in your life and they, they wanna pray with you, believe with you, celebrate with you. Maybe you raised your hand or maybe today was the day you surrendered over to the Lord. I would encourage you to go to them as well. They have a Bible they would love to give you, a new believer's guide. More importantly, they wanna pray with you, believe with you, celebrate with you. And so if you gave your life to Christ today, I would encourage you to make your way over to them. But if you did receive Jesus today, we're just all together gonna pray for you because we're excited. Welcome to the family. You're now a citizen of heaven and a part of the family of Christ. That's incredible. And so Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for that power that just touched people's lives, that transformed them, God. That the Bible says that grabbed them out of darkness and brought them into light. We thank you for that power, that resurrection power. And so Father, today, as we now are operating in the kingdom of heaven, realizing that the kingdom of heaven has come and it's in our midst, that the power of the Holy Spirit is moving among us. We right now, God, wanna worship you, not with just lip service, but we're gonna worship you as citizens of heaven. We wanna worship you as the one true King. We wanna pour everything out to you, God, and worship you in spirit and in truth. And so Father, would you meet us in this place as we call on your name? God, as we, as we yearn for your presence, God, as we seek your face today, God, would you meet us in this place? And we thank you for showing up, showing out, changing our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord together.